the reason this thing is going to continue exploding is because everybody has some relationship with that part of their life, identity, health, even more than like a Viagra, right? A lot of people age out of yeah, the yeah. Viagra market or like their behavior changes where Viagra is or no longer something. they age in sometimes too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jack, you got Couple the raw the order of operation, dude. Welcome to another episode of No Investment Advice. We've got the NII boys here today. Jack Butcher, founder of Visualized Value, Trunk Fan, me Master, me Master Flex himself and Bilal Zaidi. I'm a little off. Off Listeners, today, boys. this What's is going take on? number seven, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We are on take number what seven. Happened there? What happened there? I've been stuttering <laughs> on that one. But yeah, um, boys, we got a lot to talk about this week. We're going to have a funny little throwback meme in a week and a second. But we're going to be talking a little bit about Chris Rock's new special on Netflix. I know we're all fans of comedy here. Uh, Jack has been doing some cool stuff on Biology's new upcoming book. Um, and Trunk's going to break down the obesity drug that is taking over the world right now. Um, but boys, let's start off with this meme of the week because it is an absolute throwback. And I watched, I saw this a few days ago and I was crying, man. Let me just pull this up here. Um, was it me who shared this or Jack? Because I feel like it's one of us two. Jack, do you remember sharing this? I think it was you. I think it was you. I mean, it feels very Jack, to be honest, as well. But uh, let me go share sound. Stocks on an app called Rocks. So, how do we make money from home? For starters, this is not a sponsored video. We just get this question all the time, and honestly, the answer is really simple. So, basically, I just trade <laughs> stocks on an app called Robinhood, which I left a link in our bio if you want to check it out. It's free to download, free to sign up. They actually give you a free stock, so they're paying you to sign up. Um, but again, not sponsored. And I know trading sounds intimidating. Here's my strategy in a nutshell. I see a stock going up and I Josh, buy it and I just crap. watch it until it stops going up and then I, and I do that over and over and it pays for our whole lifestyle. Um, so, so I, I, how I much can't, you can make. I can't keep going. All right. That's enough. Yo, that that's is, enough. Is that for real? Oh, uh, yeah. Is that for real? deadly serious? That guy's, that's not a joke. Wow, it's deadly serious. Oh, my God, dude. A throwback that is, though. Boy, do you reckon that guy's a CFA fan? Yeah. What do you reckon? <laughs> well, honestly, sounds like he's outperforming me. So, <laughs> either way, he's getting, he's gonna you know be what? getting a legal case thrown his way soon, Moe. Let, let me tell Christ. you about that guy. That guy sounds like a Michael Saylor thing. I, I Mr. CFA, know enough to hurt myself. This guy <laughs> just knows to look, and that chart is it going up? <laughs> Don't you think sometimes in life, though, that is how. A lot of people are just very happy, like obviously beyond the Robin Hood trading, but like, you know, there's a lot of people who just are so simple minded, but they're like 10 times happier than all of us because they're not overthinking it. They're just, you know, just getting on with their life. I think happy. that guy is in that bucket, you know what I mean? All right, boys, let's talk about what's going on. Trung, you mentioned you watched the Chris Rock special. What did you think of it, man? Uh, I didn't think it was very good, to be honest. Um, I know it's different. You said that uh, I didn't watch it live, but it was live. Like they they did it like at this time. This Chris Rock special stars was that yeah. the first time Netflix has ever done that. I think so. I I mean I think so. Yeah, it was like a live stream, and then it was a bit confusing when I watched it on demand too. And you go in and you're like, why is this starting halfway through? It was saying it was like one hour in, and then when it finished, it oh, said like right. stay on for the after show, and then nothing happened. It was because there was like 90 minutes uh, before, or they just had it running, right? It was like right? a pre-show as like, well, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, Chris Roth has some of the best 
Bigger and Blacker. Uh, it's one of the greatest. Never scared comedy. is that one. Never scared. He's probably three of the 10, 20 greatest stand-ups ever. I thought this one was not very good. It, it felt like a uh, a less good one of Chappelle. Like, it, like uh, a recent Chappelle one. Like a, we spent the first 20 minutes talking about the woke stuff, which honestly at this point is kind of played out. But what I will say is this. The last 10 minutes, and this isn't really a giveaway, but there's a whole segment, but he goes off on Will Smith. It yeah, made it yeah. worth it. That's, so that's the okay. clips that are circling. Yeah, Jack, you said all... you saw some clips, right? Was that was that of the Will Smith? Yeah, was yeah, that yeah, the Will Smith the, one? yeah, the Will Smith, which, yeah, I'm. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm all I hear is this yeah. is like I, I, it's not a spoiler alert. It's like, Dad, but for me, that whole segment on Will Smith made it worth it. But I'll tell you something I'd never seen before, and it's because it was a live stream. He completely messed up a joke. A joke, and he kind of like called it out. He yeah, like I did in the beginning of the yeah, show. He's like, yeah, and he went and he yeah, he just went. I, I'd never seen like obviously because with the specials. They're cut and edited. This one was super live, and he just went, "Oh, I messed up the joke." Yeah, and he like, like tells you yeah, that he, and then yeah. you realize after because I was confused. Yeah, and then a minute later he says a punchline to something. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, now I get why he said that." Yeah, I it obviously completely ruined the joke, but like I'm like, "Oh, that's really cool that we got to see like uh, yeah, like uh, somebody uh, somebody do that." But uh, it's kind of yeah, like if you... you see, yeah, well, I, uh, similar. I mean, he's like basically growing up. He was my favorite stand-up comedian. Um, I think Dave Chappelle took over later for me, but growing up, like those two that you mentioned were like my favorite stand-ups. And then Eddie Murphy as well, like Delirious and Raw were really incredible as well. But um, yeah, I feel similar. Like, I, I don't know if it's also just the way my expectation going in. And because there was the Will Smith stuff, you you're kind of there for that. And it was like, you know, obviously towards the end. I thought that part was actually kind of funny to me, but it was it was more like worth me watching just to kind of see what he wanted to do as a reaction. And again, without spoiling it too much, it did feel very much like he looked real hurt, man. Like towards the end, I'm like, man, yeah. this, this really hit him sort of thing. The so Will anyway, Smith we don't want to- He was choked. Like he was like- Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, well, I could imagine. Spoiler, I'll just say one thing. He's like, I truly admired Will Smith. I wanted him to win, right? That's what he said. And, he, yeah. and you could tell he meant it. Yeah, anyways, yeah, yeah. But it, I, I think the reason it's relevant to the pod, I think what you mentioned there, it was like a live stream. So I do think that's interesting for Netflix to do a live stream comedy thing. Uh, there aren't that many examples of that. I know we talked about Andrew Schultz quite a lot on the pod. He he did a live stream thing. Did Louis do a live stream as well? Because I know I Louis he did it on Netflix, but no, not on Netflix. But he might. Oh, right, I wonder right. if he did oh, one no, he himself. Did. He did because uh, when he took it uh, on his own website. And he didn't want to go through the uh, like the traditional middle people. What I will say, and I, I love you brought it up, is this is such an interesting example of like how Netflix needs to win, right? Or there's this idea that the Netflix model of dropping all these shows at one, or uh, you know, for a season, they'll just drop every episode, versus HBO, which is still going week by week, and then you'll get stuff like White Lotus, which we need to hear Jack's thoughts on later. Or, or eventually, but Jack Jack finally got into White Lotus. But the week by week builds up, like you know, the the water cooler talk, the message board, what's happening next week, what's going to go on in the episode. Yeah. Like, we'll really talk about it. So there's that there's that argument basically between the Squid Game model, where you just drop everything at once, becomes a like massive the binge hit. watch, right? Versus yeah. versus like, like it used to be where on you're TV, culturally but... relevant appointment viewing. Well, that's, it's interesting though because I I find that. I got so used to the Netflix model, but then now the best shows I've watched in the last few years have had, they're basically it's all been on HBO. It's HBO, yeah. yeah. It's like White Lotus, Succession, 
Um, even though I just started, it's not at the same level, but there's a new one on Amazon uh, about this band, it's something in the six. Do you see this? Um, that's actually, it's based on a novel. It's, it's decent actually. But like, I'm, we've already watched three episodes and I'm like ready for the next one. And I have to wait, but it kind of builds up the anticipation. Right. And now we're going to be talking about it for a longer period of time. I'm also going to be paying for the subscription for three months versus just binging it and canceling. So I, it kind of makes sense, right? Like, um, dude, I do that, do that all the. You're so funny about the binging and canceling. You end up saving like eighty bucks a year. Like, like so my wife it. has my wife has Raccoon, which is some Raccoon. Asian network. Yeah, uh, yeah. We have a, we flip between Disney, HBO, uh, Netflix, and it's just Hulu. so funny. Hulu's been yeah, doing Hulu. it as well. Let me Jack, what, one... Jack, were you still watching? Uh, sorry, Jack, did you still keep watching White Lotus? So you finished it now? I finished you... it. Yeah. The, the last season. There's two seasons, right? Yeah, you're fully oh, yeah, cut yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, the second. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. hit us. Yeah. Hit it was us. great. I thought oh, it was you liked it. All right, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think I marginally preferred the first season, which oh, I think that's unpopular, yeah. right? Everybody else thinks the second is, or a lot of people th saying the second was stronger. I preferred the second, it but the first class. was great too. Yeah. It was class. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love that guy. I don't know his name, but the guy that played the, like, con artist on the boat in the, in the second season. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was in what legend. Tom, Holland? Manager. Tom Hollander? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was in a bunch of, um, he was in the thick of it, or the spin-off of the thick of it oh, in the loop. Yeah. That guy is absolute G, What a legend. Class. Yeah, what a legend. Yeah. Uh, quality TV, boys. Some of the best stuff that's come I'm glad out you in like, the last I remember you, when you first watched it, you were like, I couldn't get into it, and I felt the same. But then once you watch a couple episodes, it, it gets good. Yeah, I guess that like I, I didn't get the, I don't know what it was about that first episode, but just like those two, they were. I think it was those two girls getting into that hotel room, and just like I was like, I'm not watching this shit. And then we gave it <laughs> ten more minutes after that moment. The second time I was like, oh, yeah. now I get it. Like all yeah, the yeah, characters yeah. coming together, and you're like watching this thing unfold across it was it was great jack's yeah, very yeah. decisive i love that I, i'm not watching this shit He's Silly, done. turn it off throws the tv out this, you know when you got a few hours of uh precious time and yeah evening, that's true yeah. you can't be wasting it on on poor quality media but it is it was great nice man well and then the reason i brought that was the last thing on chris rock because um trung you asking what I thought of it. And uh, another thing I noticed was the sound for me, and this might be just my ears are a little bit more sensitive to this stuff, but live comedy, like if you go from a you know, comedy seller style, like being in a, a comedy club versus being in a stadium versus watching at home. And like, you know, like Chris Rock is a great example. I've seen him in all three of those. And when you see like in the room, in a small room, it's incredible, right? Cause like the, the laughter bounces off the walls and the ceiling and it's like the energy and you really need that kind of like feedback loop of laughter and like fake laughter doesn't really work obviously it's with like stand-up comedy and then in an arena i almost find it very hard to find it super funny as well and on tv it's even worse because you're not getting that atmosphere and uh, my friend this morning had said like he went to the live show and he loved it and so i'm, I'm just curious i'm interested to think like how much it would have been different like being live for something like that versus yeah, at yeah. home my expectation is just so high you know it's like one of the best stand-up comedians and he's you know had all these amazing banger stand-up specials before 
Um, but anyway, so yeah, we can move on from that. But I think that was another thing I noticed where I was like, it's not, I, I needed to put the volume up almost. And I, I switched to my AirPods and I was like, kind of zoned Ooh, in and that helped a little bit. Look at Trung's audio setup. Is of humor. <laughs> yeah, exactly what I was yeah. just going to say. Look at Trung's, what's in front of Trung right now is a product yeah. of Bilal's spine ears. There we go. There we go. I well, saw uh, Ricky Gervais at Madison Square Garden. And also oh, if you're man. sat next to somebody who's laughing at the wrong stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the wrong stuff. Yeah. Objectively, the, the, wrong, objectively yeah. the wrong stuff. Like as, as the like comedian intended the punchline. Really yeah, so, messes with the vibe. Yeah, for God's sake, man. Best, Ricky you know, Gervais, though, a legend. I saw Tim Dillon at a small place in Nashville a couple months ago. That was ace. Yeah, ace. Not a comedy energy. club, like a small uh, theater class, but it does Jack have a big difference. Jack loves live. Jack loves live shows, people. Oh, yeah. This is what I've learned. Well, Nashville's pretty good for live stuff, right? Like yeah. live music. They've got no a lot doubt. of events going music on. Music City Boys, yeah. There we go. All right, boys, should we move on before uh, that was a little quick TV chat for you guys? But let's, uh, we're going to get onto the obesity drugs. But real quickly, Jack, you've been working on Biology, has a new book that's been done by Eric Jorgensen called The Anthology of Biology. I don't know when it's coming out, uh, but do you want to tell us a little bit about it and what you've been doing? Soon, yeah. So um, if you're not familiar with the Almanac of Naval, Ravikant, that was like the first in. I don't know how Eric would describe it, but kind of a series of these style of books that he's doing, which are basically taking all of the published work of somebody and compiling them into a book. So for Naval, took tweets, podcasts, interviews, like old blog posts, and just distilled them and categorized them and organized them into this great book. And I illustrated a bunch of those concepts I'd already illustrated because I've been consuming Naval's work before that book had started to be worked on. But I reached out to Eric. I was like, I have these. If you want to include them, I'd be honored. And uh, we, we he put the book together, sent me the manuscript, and there was a bunch more ideas that I worked on after that. Um, and then basically the same thing happened for this this book where he's compiled all this stuff, invited me to the document, looked through it, there's a bunch of amazing observations, ideas, etc., in there that turned into illustrations and um, should be, I think it's a couple of months, the timeline right now. I don't know exactly. Um, yeah, but it should be good. And uh, I'll, I'll actually... You want to tease a little example of one of the ideas or something like yeah, that? Yeah, let me, let me, uh, I'm just going to read this off the website. So the chapter, there's a few of the chapters. Um why all value becomes digital, how technology creates value, technology creates more technology, misalignment of modern media, don't argue, build, hiring and growing great teams, founding countries, how Balaji invests, all that stuff. So just all of these models that have obviously been present in his career and stuff that he's done, obviously incredibly talented and uh, smart dude. We're, we've always referenced in his ideas on this pod. Um, let me pull a couple. I'm sure, Eric won't mind if I give a little, little, little tease sneak on this. Sneak preview. Here we go. Exclusive here. Oh, Don't this send stuff this is to out Eric. there. No, this stuff is out there, but it's uh, not been organized in this way yet. So, one of my favorites: getting an MBA to learn about doing a startup is a bit like getting a, P a physics PhD to learn about riding a bike. 
That's so ridiculous. Class. Class. I had to switch the the camera view here. So we got Trung's face here. Uh, for yeah. people, new <laughs> listeners here, Trung is an NBA CFA. Uh, oh. Trung, your reaction to what this? What do I think about that? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not much more to add after that. Hundred percent. But yeah, it looks yeah. really sick. Looks really it's sick. It's gonna and be. It's gonna be great, man. It's. Uh, I'm assuming it's gonna be free digitally and then you could buy a copy of it um yeah i tease these out made it so you can't read them yet but that'll be coming nice. soon Killing um a lot of great ideas in there man uh excited about that and obviously the network state i think he brought that out middle of last year or something everyone that's should a pick book that but out. also a podcast now yeah podcast he's he I just think had, he had Vitalik uh, on it yeah no, and he had Vitalik, he had, he had uh, uh, Toby from Shopify and Kaz. And a head of state. I forget where from, oh, but Paolo, he had a head Paolo, of state. On the, yeah. uh, it was like, a, I think it's an Asia, South Badass. Pacific uh, country. I gotta check that. Sick. But yeah. Uh, but when this is coming out, 100%, we got at least ask Balaji to come on, share some of this with us. I know no Eric doubt. will definitely Forward come on. by Mark Andreessen. Mm, incredible. So it's a heavy hit lineup on there, yeah. Yeah, I just scrolled through on the website, like the selected chapters looks pretty ridiculous. I mean, this is like right up our alley. We could do a 12 yeah. hour episode with Balaji if he's down. Open in let me, let me Balaji do, if you're yeah, uh, yeah, listening. Let me do a few. Uh, Would, uh, I need a couple two, of two these more. for that 12 hour one. Yeah, for right. the <laughs> listeners, I got the zero. Your boy now does zero oh, sugar you're, red bull. You're switching, you're switching yeah. up, yeah. Okay, yeah, wow. not, not the I'm low sugar. Kick right there. Nice. Zero. I like that transition coming from Trump. We're going to talk about obesity drugs coming here. So uh, zero sugar. Do, Jack, were you about to say something else before we move on? I'm just going to close with one more quote from the book. Do it. it says, do it. In hindsight, everyone believes they take the risk and get in early. Yet another risky early opportunity is in front of you today. Look at that. That invitation, Ooh, look at that. Beautiful. Shivering. There we go. Yeah. You know, that, right, you know that meme with the hair? The hair uh, goes up on the arm. <laughs> Man, I just got that. My hair is up, boys. All right, Trung, let's, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that, Jack. Um, Trung, let's talk about this obesity drug situation. I wanted you to give us the breakdown, but I'll just read out your first tweet here. By 2031, the market for obesity treatment drugs, a aka GLP-1 agonists, will be more than $150 billion. That is on par with all drugs to treat cancer, which totaled $185 billion in 2021, per The Economist. That is insane. Uh, also, we should say this is not medical advice. You should speak to your People, physician this is not before medical we talk advice. about any of this stuff. Yeah, I, but go for it. Yeah, I think this is just worthwhile to talk about because this topic, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen it bubble up. So if, over the past year... It, it kind of felt actually like generative AI in a sense from the health space is like something that is so overarching and and just kind of consumes the healthcare space the way that AI is kind of consuming tech. I mean, Jack, you mentioned earlier that your sister-in-law wrote something about the drug, which for the listeners, this anti-obesity treatment started off as a treatment for diabetes. And mm -hmm. uh, the drug that we, uh, the, 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 the name of it, Bilal mentioned that it's known as GLP-1 agonist. That's the class of drug. But the kind of the brand name itself is Ozempic. Uh, that was for the diabetes treatment. 
but people, as we know, as many of you probably know, there's always off the shelf or off the label uses for drugs, right? The most famous example, I'm not necessarily off the, off the label, but a side effect, uh, one of the most famous is Viagra. In the early 1990s, uh, Pfizer was testing a drug to treat angina, which is when you get chest pains because uh, the blood vessels are constricting too much and you're not getting oxygen-rich blood to your heart. So there the we whole go, point, medical fan coming well, through. On. You got you doctors in the family. <laughs> the, this is the running joke I make. I'm not a doctor, but I'm a doctor's brother. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, 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 but that's a dumbest joke. Is this, anyway, this, this is, is not... sort of akin to the discovery of penicillin, right? Yeah, and it was like, which was an accident, which is also an accident. They, they found it from this kind of, I forget what they're molding on, but exactly. Bread. Yeah, on bread. There you go. And uh, so Pfizer was creating this drug. So how do you fix a constriction problem? You dilate it, right? So you dilate the blood vessels. And uh, the, that drug, it, it didn't work for the chest region. It worked for a... <laughs> this, imagine the, the, imagine the like, room where they're testing that. How can you get that... Like, just hilarious, man. Like, someone goes in for the trial of that, yeah. and that's... Excuse me. Well, dude, yeah. it's cool. So the the uh, the drug name is Sildenafil. Uh, I mean, I, I butchered it, but... Listen, I'm sure some of you listeners have dabbled with uh, with the, the, the street name Viagra Cialis, right? But how funny is that as a side effect? So um, Pfizer actually lost the uh, patent on that. Uh, so you can get a generic now. I've never done it. Uh, what? And the, the, the pa- uh, man, that's got to be a fascinating world, like drug yeah. patents. Why? It just got so. 20 years. Universal. Uh, they had the 20 oh, year. Okay. Yeah. So uh, they started selling 1998. Dude, how how crazy is that though? That so Viagra is obviously one of the most well known like pharmaceuticals, right? For like, would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I think yeah. Definitely. In popular in popular culture. Yeah, I mean, if it's been on South Park and it's been yeah. on The Simpsons, then it's definitely got to be up there, right? Everyone well, knows what Viagra is up to, uh, but that's interesting, right? So uh, I got. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say I freelanced at an agency in New York once that had a uh, uh, like a. <laughs> healthcare floor uh, so you like walk through that and they have like war rooms trying to name these fucking you know ridiculous drugs that's incredible yeah oh my god that sounds like a sitcom right there war. man that's oh, like could the be. office but imagine the office but for be. that like a zempic they've landed a zempic they've landed on that through like you know 800 <laughs> revisions of like all these other like compound stupid words give me one second and, uh, boys I'm running out of power here my laptop is plugged in only on one side. <laughs> All right, do what, it. You go, need a go, double we'll check. Need a double, oh, mate. Well, you got two. I didn't even know you could do that. You could plug in I your laptop you twice. Out. What is going on here? Anyway, uh, we could keep chatting. But wait, Jack, have you heard much about this yourself? Yeah, oh, can Zempic, you tell us so about no, your sister-in-law say... and what uh, what you know about her coverage? So she started working for Barry Weiss's new publication, The Free Press. Her name's Olivia Ryan Gold. We should put a link to the article in the show notes. But um, she wrote mostly about the usage of the drug as like a lifestyle, you know, lifestyle maybe not the right word, but people using it for like Losing purposes outside of treating diabetes. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how that's causing shortages and how it's putting pressure on the market for people that are using it in the medical context. Diabetes slash obesity, like that. Right, uh, right, right, right. Uh, what, what it's what its set purposes. 
that's actually a great point. And so I'd like to break it down like this. I'd like to break it down as like, what is the obesity problem? What does this drug do? And then Jack, uh, what you kind of mentioned is like, A, what are the societal impacts? And B, like, what are the downsides? There's some really big ones. Like, there's a there's a concern that this may create uh, even more inequality in the sense of who has the highest rate of obesity, low-income people. These drugs are not cheap. They're $1,000 a month, and it's to your point, Jack. It's celebrities. Like, Kim Kardashian is using Ozempic, or uh, or now they kind of made an official one. It's called Govi. And uh, just as an idea, Viagra does $2 billion a year, or did when Pfizer had the patent. I don't know what their numbers are now. Well, Govi will do $4 billion this year. So, like, and then that, that, that and now you're bringing in insurance, uh, government health care, uh, who gets what. So, it's just a, it is a massive implication, right? But this is, I mean. Well, the market is also twice the size as Viagra by default, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wait, hello. I want you to think about what Jack just said. Say it one more time, because I'll be. I was really inside. Uh, I was really excited about it. For my, the addressable market for these obesity treatment drugs is, by definition, twice the size of Viagra. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> boys. I, I mean, I will say because. Uh, so Trung, you've got doctors in your family. You were just about to say, but, but the summary from what I've read about it, I've heard like lots of people talk about it. I've heard like uh even people we know uh, have taken this i saw our boy sam parr wrote about this on uh twitter thinking like jan jan 4th and uh, i was reading some of the responses there that's that's why i was distracted but um i don't know if he, he took it but i remember he was on like a big cut and uh, a lot of people are using it when they're like trying to cut so the, the one of the things i do want to call out is that Rhonda patrick who i've listened to her stuff for like like tens of hours if not more like hundreds of hours potentially she's like a really legit Doctor, being on Joe Rogan, uh, Tim Ferriss, a bunch. Essentially, it just restricts your appetite. It suppresses your appetite, which makes sense for both uh, obesity and uh, diabetes as well, I guess. Um, but there is like, it's it's quite, it's being debated now, like how effective it is in terms of like the muscle loss part, which is actually a very negative side effect of this. So if you're losing weight, which is what most people think you're supposed to be doing, you're not actually just trying to lose weight. You're trying to lose fat. If you're losing yeah, muscle you don't as well, lose muscle mass. You yeah, don't want to lose muscle mass. Great. And a lot of people hear that and they think, well, um, I don't need to be like a big Arnold Schwarzenegger. I just need to like get the weight down. It's like if you keep the same amount of body fat, but your muscle is degrading, that is actually the worst thing. Like you're yeah. even higher at risk for certain diseases. You're not as strong. You can't sit down on your chair. You can't pick up your kids. That's basically, yeah, the the medical side I do understand. Um, and yeah, like a lot of these things, there's obviously not. Like, well, you still have to take it every month, people, right? Like, you still have to do the injection just like you do with it. insulin, right? And yeah. uh, I mean, there are a lot of complications here. The uh, what I think why and you know people are talking about a lot more in the last three four months, right? Major podcasts on Ezra Klein, yeah, uh, uh, plain English. It was on the All In Pod. Was, I know Jason talked about it, and he, I think he's taken it. It's on the cover of The Economist. I mean, that's when you know it's reached peak, uh, like saturation in uh, kind of business media world, right? It was on the cover of The Economist last week. And I, you know, I think it's very important to cover. But the, here's the obesity problem, right? Uh, same Economist article that I just referenced says that by the year 2035, 4 billion people will be overweight or obese, and that is 50% of the population above the age of five. That's now, wild. All, it, it's, it's, a, it's a huge problem, right? And uh, the second part of the problem is, what is the cost of that obesity in terms of lost uh, productivity, uh, people sick, 
uh, uh, premature deaths. They're estimated as $4 trillion, which is the equivalent of 3% of global GDP, which is the equivalent of basically the COVID-19 pandemic happening every single year. So in terms of all those lost uh, health and productivity uh, statistics. But this is where it gets interesting, something that you kind of touched on below. Uh, it's this idea of how should we think about obesity, right? There's a lot of uh, uh, parts to the puzzle, but one thing which I think is extremely important is this. A lot of people associate obesity with willpower. And if somebody's overweight or obese, the thinking is typically, oh, this person does not know how to control or discipline their eating habits, right? There's a, there's that element of it too. Would you guys agree with that? It's like when yeah. you see, yeah, there's this agree idea. The idea that if somebody's overweight or obese, it's kind of on them, as in they're not eating correctly, they're not doing enough exercise. It's not just that, but that's definitely a big part of it. It's personal responsibility, but there's, without going off on a big tangent, there's, there's certain things that everyone thinks you're supposed to be doing that you could just be banging your head against the wall, trying forever. And a lot of it is understanding the real fundamentals. And I think that's- Well, what are like, the fundamentals, example, right? It's well, like, like clean foods, yeah, exercise well, 30 minutes a day, things of that yeah, nature. Yeah, well, the, uh, the, the principles really are, you need to be in a calor calorific deficit to lose body fat and to actually maintain muscle mass, you need to eat enough protein and you need to do uh, resistance training. So you need to probably lift weights three days a week or at least do push-ups and stuff like that. And so, and then you also need to measure the correct things. You need to not just look at scale, you need to look at body fat percentage, which most people don't do. So that that is already like probably more advanced than 90% of what people are doing for their own measurement purposes. And and the truth is, it just comes back to the same thing. It's like what people will measure, they will look at. So if they go on a scale once a week or every day, they're gonna see that number go down and it's working. They're gonna get back in that position. They're like, okay, now I've dropped 20 pounds or whatever. And the problem is 95% of people will go and put it back on. So that is really the root cause is what are the change, the behavior changes needed to maintain doing that. And I'm speaking to someone who's gone through this myself, right? So I'm actually in the process of a big cut since July. I'm quite a massive one right now. And so I've had to relearn a yeah, lot of stuff. Yeah, you look great, bro. You've been, you, I remember Thanks, you told me, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you Thanks. in New York. Yeah, um, yeah, that, well, that was definitely the height of like bad, bad state, but... Yeah, so now it's like I've basically been quite quite a significant amount, but I've added in so much more of the not just eating healthy, but doing weights, you know, basically three four times a week, but finding the stuff that's actually going to maintain, which is understanding what a calorie deficit looks like and maintenance calories looks like. So I think if, the problem is if you cut 10, 20 pounds and then you just go back to your old ways, you're just going to have the rebound, which ninety percent of people have. So. That is kind of, I think this is a bit of a, a bit of an issue no, for, for a lot of people. I love how you framed that because that's exactly right. That's the mentality. And and for the, for 70 to 80% of the population, those actions you just described are effective. There is a, pop, a segment of the population that works literally genetically. Everything you said, they'll bounce back within a week, uh, all the way gain, even if they keep it super clean. It, it, even a slight falling off the wagon for them will completely yeah. blow the way back up. So, so the economist says there's ten to twenty people, ten to twenty percent of the population, genetically, that even if they had a perfect exercise regimen, perfect diet regimen, it's extremely difficult for them to stay in yeah. good shape. So, obesity is truly 
And, and it's added by the fact that the society we live in, this is not going to be news to anyone. Look at the amount of processed everything we have, right? Just it's readily available. Food queues are everywhere. I can't walk, me personally, I can't walk down the street without being like, yo, I want a slice of pizza. Literally. I go anywhere <laughs> downtown. I see a pizza shop. You got to ask my wife, man. If I see That's Wendy's a p- shop, I'm getting a slice <laughs> or I'm getting like, there's a whole like societal cue thing where like, you're not even put in a position to succeed, right? And uh, evolutionarily, we know why uh, our bodies aren't meant to handle the caloric, um, was it the, the availability of calories in modern society is yeah. ridiculous, right? It's just something we are not still, our bodies are not evolutionarily meant to handle. Uh, so, I mean, all the whole point I'm trying to say here is like, there is this moral component, but I think, uh, I think a lot of it is a bit unfair. And, uh, this is why this drug is so impactful. So, I mean, Jack, I'd love your thoughts on that, about kind of the moral element and, you know, there, there are limits to how much exercise and fitness can actually work for a lot of people. Yeah, I don't, I'm not well-versed enough in... I would listen to a conversation... Sorry, the baby's on the other side of the wall going nuts. You can know where right. uh, We can't even uh, hear it. Uh, yeah, so all right, good. Um, yeah, I think I've gone through this process of like working with someone to try and understand nutrition at a fundamental level. And like, here's what you weigh here's what you need to eat in order to get to this way or this composition and they give you the instructions tell you what to cook weigh it to the gram and that's yeah it's a chemical procedure right it's like yeah this goes in this goes out this happens so my only experience with it is that is like when even when i eat less but less of the wrong stuff i don't i don't um my body composition doesn't change in the same way as eating less of the right stuff. Does that make sense? It's like, yeah, there's so much nuance to this stuff that I think because we're generally in a rush and want a conclusion that is, uh, like the removal of the need to do a shitload of research. There's definitely in a lot of cases, like my body doesn't work this way. I, I've tried X, Y, or Z, but there's so many different, there's so many different factors affecting this stuff. The thing with the, the drug being available that kind of circumvents that is like, it breaks one of those feedback loops where it's essentially the same idea. You're just doing it with a different compound, right? Like you're saying that there's no combination of food and exercise or whatever that can help me, but this can this this particular set of compounds and chemicals arranged in this way is going to help me so to me it's like not as black and white as that and the 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 side effects of or the way in which you could mask the feedback loop of the things you eat with that with ingesting something like that that would be the biggest downside of this to me where it's like you can suppress your appetite, but it won't necessarily make you eat things that are nurturing your body in the same way. I see and you're saying, so is you not, might eat like 2,000 calories, right? 
yeah, but yeah. It's weight all is not calories. a great indicator of health, right? Yeah, I, yeah I it's, think exactly. it's not only it's definitely what it's a data point. It's yeah. a data point taken in taken in context of all these other things, and I totally understand people who are like, I mentally can't endure like eating chicken, broccoli, and rice every day. And yeah. as with everything in life, it's like there are trade-offs. Like you make decisions based on what you are willing to get and what you're willing to get give up in order to get that. Like I now know what it takes to have 5% body fat and I am not willing to give up yeah. the stuff <laughs> in my life required to do I'm just not going to do it. I mean, you live I know, in Nashville, I know it's, bro. Yeah, I've done it. <laughs> I've done it, right? I've I've got the pictures to prove it, and I'm done. I'm now yeah, like yeah. just trying not to future, have, yeah. trying not to have a heart attack, trying not to you know not be able to run around after my kids, remain reasonably healthy. I enjoy exercise. I enjoy eating well, but I also enjoy the occasional beer. You know, yeah. indulging. <laughs> But Wait, what was a single yeah. body fat percentage, Jack? Hold on, before we last over. Yeah, well, I need to know this time I feel like it's been since we've been on the pod. No, there was that time you had the personal trainer, or is it been? I way got before? it down. I got it down. I've probably been done it about three or four times now. I did it Jeez. when I was like twenty. When I was twenty-one or something, <laughs> I just could just do anything. So I like, like definitely Peter have Andre in that video. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mysterious yeah. girl. <laughs> I did. I did a carnivore diet for three months. That'll get it off you fast. But that yeah. is insanely. Uh, antisocial. You know, you're going to brunch and you're eating like Steak 90 rashes only. of bacon. <laughs> yeah. like, this is just ridiculous. Yo, although we need to pull this through. We need to roast the people because I've also been in phases where I'm like a really strict diet. You are just the worst human, right? Like, uh, I've yelled at good. my sibling for once ordering like normal crust pizza in there. It was supposed to be a thin crust. You know, like, you're just like, what is this? What is this? Yeah, it's hard, man. Power crust. It's, uh, and you know, there's this big, like, there's this thing that goes around fairly often on Twitter is the, like, quality of European food versus American food. Yeah, you know, yeah. people are like, I just went to Europe and I ate whatever I wanted for three weeks and I'm, I'm 20 pounds lighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe there's some truth to that. Like, there's less, less process as a, as a yeah, general yeah. rule. Like, But you're the, also walking like... 4,000 yeah, yeah. calories off of and walking around the Amalfi Coast like for seven exactly. hours a day or whatever and you but, like portion yeah. size like the culture that's around true. portion size is totally that's different like, my... isn't that like when you move to the States I don't know what it's like Canada versus oh. US trunk but just moving from the UK and we're not especially the healthiest either in the UK we're the Americans of Europe in that way like yeah. in terms of obesity <laughs> rates are the same that's what I meant by that like 50% plus uh, overweight or obese or whatever yeah, yeah. the well, number is. Fish and chips, son. UK is smashing it on that chart, right? They're oh climbing. yeah, we yeah we're we're climbing the charts exactly. But um, there is that thing when you just order a normal portion and you're like, damn, this is two portions pretty much. And now and then you get used to it. And then uh, but the, yeah, like you said, there's so many factors. Like there's the hyper palate palatability of certain foods. Uh, like there's certain foods that are more satiating, etc. But I think Trung, what you said earlier about um, like for certain for a certain percentage of population, it just won't work. And I I do agree generally that there's a percentage, but I think the percentage is smaller than we would think. And I also think is like like what Jack just said there is exactly what I think is like people don't actually measure everything properly. That's kind of the the tough one because like I was speaking to someone about this the other day, and we're trying to recall what they were eating in the week. And then they completely just forgot 
the weekend where they went and like right. had three glasses of wine, <laughs> a couple of beers with their friends. They forgot they had a kebab late at night. And if you average out those, if you add those calories up and then average out for the week, which is kind of what you should really do, you were then above your maintenance, right? So that you stayed in the same place. And, and, and you it, know what else is yeah. crazy? Sorry, sorry, Bilal. No, no, go for it. No, no, go for it. I was going to say, even if you eat like that and you're like hyper vigilant on weighing stuff and, and then you try and eyeball it after that, like... It's not the same, yeah. You're nowhere near. Like somebody said to me, like, uh, do like eat how you'd normally eat and then uh, like guess what the, guess what you've made and then weigh it. So put it down and say like, oh, it's roughly this much rice, this much protein that and then do the weighing and see how far off you are. You'll be, yeah. unless you've done so this off. for like, you know, 10 years and you know exactly what it is you're doing, like a few weeks off that. And I honestly thought all this stuff was bullshit. I'll be completely yeah, yeah, honest. Yeah. I was like, I I never believed that, that there would be any material difference in like, oh, I'm going to eat 10 or 20 grams less of this a day. And like these protocols, they're tweaking it by five grams, 10 amount. grams. Yeah. And it changes the outcome massively, like your energy, yeah. your sleep, your. But there's a mental cost to doing that too, and you have to be a certain type of person, or you have to, at least, become a certain type of person, to make the decision to do that. Where it's like, instead of just spooning what I want to eat out of the bowl, I'm gonna have this middle step of putting it on a per gram scale, and then putting ten grains of rice back. And sometimes <laughs> you're just like doing that i got mad about it i got i, I was yeah. a month into it i had the best results ever and i'm just like this is pissing me off i'm not doing this yeah anymore. yeah 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 <laughs> no i get what you're saying no i i i was literally last night i was doing i cooked this thing up and i'm doing the same thing because i'm measuring everything right now and you literally like i literally let's say i cook this like lentil pasta i was having and i'm looking at the bowl and i'm like oh, i'm just taking half of this so you put half and I'm like, oh, this must be half. And then I'm like, actually, I'm curious. Like, let me just see if I was right. So I put a ball on there and I looked at the weight and then took it off. And I'm like, oh, this was completely off. So it is, there is a level of, like most people, first of all, might not have, but well, they would say they don't have the time to do it, right? Which fair enough. I can't like judge everyone's time and schedule. I definitely have way more time than the average person. But it's also like a matter of prioritizing. I've made this literally the number one priority that everything else become secondary and like and that is like for a fairly short period of time so that i don't have to do that for two years it can be a few months and so and, um it also yeah, depends on like why you're doing it like if you're doing it to like not get diabetes exactly that's like what's the the alternative is like injecting yourself with a foreign uh, yeah. compound like they're both i mean i guess people don't see it as much as as much of a trade-off right like the ability to to the insulin needle is probably less of a uh, disciplined thing than you know, like you said, you're, you're measuring each grain of her and they, yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 like the result again, you're talking about the result just being the number on the scale. That is not the that is not the totality of the result. Yeah, like exactly. That's, that's a single metric that again we have collectively decided to use as the thing that indicates you're you're like you're this tall and you weigh this much so you're good and yeah. probably because that's like in 90 percent of cases that gives you a decent yeah, yeah. picture it's like how you do it for general population of billions of people or 100 millions of people but when you actually understand it more you're like why is there a bmi scale that a you know like a six foot something x 
Pat Ons person and someone who's five foot ten with the same weight is being classed as the same BMI or whatever. Like that might not be actually how it's done, but you know, it's like like all these things. It's like a very there's a lot of gray area and. So anyway, we could probably talk for like two hours about about this stuff. So we can probably move on soon. Trug, are you there or is your uh, internet cut off? Because uh, could you see? Is this frozen? All right, that Canadian Wi-Fi that man Canadian is, wife. his limit. Yeah. Trudeau is capping him. <laughs> He's so, uh, Trug, can you hear us? I can see his picture, but uh, I got one maybe. last. I got yeah, one go, last go point on this stuff. It, it's also really easy to go so far in the other direction. You know, like listening to hundreds of hours of podcasts about how yeah. to sleep and what yeah, to yeah, eat, yeah. how 100%. to think. So it's like, what the, what are we doing here, man? Like, there's got to be a happy medium, which I think the whole, like, taking the literal foreign compounds of engine oil out of food or whatever, like, the processed ingredients are that, like, sit in your body and make you feel like shit. Like you can pretty much eat by eye and get good results if like the food you're eating is yeah clean in inverted commas and that's where this massive inequality comes in because that shit is expensive. Yeah, like, that's true. Organic that's true. meat, organic vegetables. You can eat amazingly good, tasty food, but it is not cheap. Like I remember the first time I moved yeah. to Brooklyn. Jeez, I think three. Is, yeah. Mate, three peppers, like three bell peppers, yeah, was like ten bucks when I moved <laughs> there in two thousand ten. I went yesterday. I paid six fifty-seven for like two peppers, and I was like, "What is going? It's what did you cook? What did you cook? Oh, I cooked up that little, uh, you know, Teriyaki? like a bolognese sauce. Oh. Yeah, like a nice oh, little nice. meat sauce, mate. Yeah, and then nice. you could get you get nice. a two a two pound bag of Lucky Charms, knock off Lucky Charms, you know, off yeah. brand. Yeah, 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 for yeah six bucks off. or something. I remember the first, Two like, I was on a ridiculous. Charms, hey, I was on That's such a ridiculously low budget when I moved to New York. I was making 600 bucks a month living in New York. It's like, what do you eat on that? Lucky Charms. And then You're I would get 600 this. a month. Jesus yeah. Christ, mate. That and is... then there's this, there was this Chinese takeaway that did soup, salad, drink, and like general sows and rice for five bucks. This is in 2010. Oh, my God. And that was lunch and dinner. That's still not. That's not like yeah. 1995, you know what I no. mean? That's that's cheap. No. So that was big enough for my lunch and dinner. So I have that work and then take that back. My food budget Mate, there is incredible. Lucky Charms and Chinese <laughs> for lunch and dinner. <laughs> but I'm not going to lie, General Soul Chicken is one of the greatest uh, American inventions yee. I've ever had, man. It is so good. It is so My man. favorite and place um, is there's a place in Williamsburg, like East Williamsburg, that is a Mexican-run Chinese place. And the menu is Chinese food, but with a, like a Spanish menu, and it's nah, incredible. I bet it's incredible. Man, yeah. Well, yeah, and, might, and you know, if you're a young, like yeah, a man in your young, early twenties, you can just basically do anything. You know, for most, for a lot of people, yeah, yeah. like the leeway yeah. is so much more ridiculous. So not investment advice. Not investment advice. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that no, clip's coming back like, to haunt you, Jack. Eh? Not that you should. Not that you should. I'm just saying, my experience comes from this place where I was like, I could do that. And I would work out every day back then, but my metabolism was just off the chain. Just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I would kill for that now. Like, I was oh, like, yeah. back then, you're like, I'm going to have this forever. This is great. I would eat a roll of cookies, like a, you know, full, <laughs> you know, remember Lidl, Bilal? Yeah, yeah, Lidl, yeah, of course. They had this Tower Gate. They were called Tower Gate cookies. They were 19 pence for a whole, whole box. And I would eat pence. the whole box every time. Every That's time insane. I would have 
not half, I'll eat the whole box and drink four pints of milk while I'm eating it. Four pints of milk? That is yeah. hilarious. That is a yeah. funny... What the hell were you <laughs> doing? How high were you eating this? No, mate, <laughs> mate. No, zero. Just like endless, endless um, appetite. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, it definitely Four differs. Pints of but milk. That's hilarious. The funniest is the milk, right, Trunk? That, that, that addition of the milk is so oh, yeah. good. I love pint. milk. Yeah, yeah, I love incredible. Milk. <laughs> I love milk. Someone needs to make a t-shirt for you there, Jack. Yeah. Man, that is... Jack loves milk. God, drunk. What are you saying? No, I was just say I could. Uh, I know that uh, we were supposed to uh, cut this one a little bit shorter today because uh, at inside baseball for the listeners, we're doing a double <laughs> record today because uh, your boy's gone next week. But um, I just wanted to kind of put a pin in uh, this obesity stuff with everything. Uh, wrap up everything you guys said. Yeah, do I, it. I, uh, I totally agree with uh, what Jack said regarding the one of the potential side effects. <laughs> of this really effective uh, weight loss drug. And uh, just to give you an idea, the average uh, user in the early testing for uh, Novo, which is the Danish uh, manufacturer of this drug, uh, which is insane. Their market cap has doubled in the past year on the strength of this drug. They were like a $300 billion company. I mean, that's part of what's so scary about it, right? Is that it's a drug you have to continuously use. So I know the skeptic and cynic and everyone is like, oh, okay, we get it. We, we created the problem of obesity with uh, industrialized processed food, and now we're going to sell you yeah. the cure, right? Yeah. It's like, there's that whole aspect of it, uh, which, I, which, listen, I'm very sympathetic to that, but like Jack said, it's like, if you can just do once a month injections now and they're working on a pill, yeah, your, your habits might just go to complete shit, right? It's like, I mean, Bilal talked about what it does to suppress your appetite, so it works on your hypothalamus, which controls your hunger. It does something called, uh, uh, here's the exact phrase, which is kind of crazy. It's a uh, gastric emptying. So, I mean, it just means you take a we shit earlier, right? this morning, mate. Yeah. yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> no, but basically what I used to call myself media delivery person <laughs> when I was that. Uh... Media delivery person. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys will laugh. So gastric emptying is just when it is exactly what it sounds like, right? But the whole point is this drug slows that process down. So the food just kind of stays inside you longer. And that's why you feel satiated, right? And uh, it, it kind of touches on the point of, well, what is the best procedure now? What is the most effective procedure to kind of deal with obesity? I mean, one of them is bariatric surgery, uh, st stapling your stomach, which is you literally put a staple or a band around the stomach and the intestine to limit how much food can be held, and it also slows down this gastric emptying, right? So that typically loses 30% of weight. And, the, and these, these are interesting contradictions to some of the other narratives too where it's like people people are built a certain way that they can't lose weight yeah that's interesting like but the, you're the, saying the, the stapling the stomach happens to work though because it stopped your appetite which then goes to the macro point of you needed to be eating less and whatever got you to that was no, but it's like physically physiologically yeah, impossible less, right? to eat more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, impo well, yeah, yeah, it makes it harder for you to overeat and stuff. You're, you're physiologically being prevented from doing that. So this drug, again, there are such moral and health and societal implications, which is why I think it's super important. It's like obesity is truly, it's, I mean, all the things that, I mean, we talked about, right? We talked about diabetes for some people. It's like, what do you, what is the purpose of why you're doing this? It goes back to exactly what we started this with, with your sister-in-law is, okay, are you using this for vanity and for public, for consumption so you look better on Instagram? 
or using it because you have some deal with diabetes. And there's a shortage, right? And yeah, I think it's uh, it's worth flagging for the listeners. That was kind of the big takeaway yeah. for me. No, it's definitely an interesting know. topic. And Jack, were you about to say something? Go on. Oh, I was just going to say the line blurs between what is defined as health too. Like for some people, looking good on Instagram is like they would consider that health, right? Yeah. In the macro sense. Like if mm. I can't share a picture of myself that I'm proud of, like I'm not well. So it's all it's like all of this stuff. Yeah, we're you're like right. trapped in language and definitions and like this is right, this is wrong. It's really, really like impossible, I think, to have a you know, to come to a conclusion that is like is right in this scenario and wrong in that scenario. I think like the fact that people who are like on their deathbed or near their deathbed or are, you know, severely physically impaired, not being able to get access to this is a massive problem, right? But this the the reason this thing is gonna continue exploding is because everybody has some relationship with that part of their life, identity, health, even more than like a Viagra, right? A lot of people age out of yeah, the yeah. Viagra market or like their behavior changes where Viagra is or no longer something. they age in sometimes too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jack, you got Coupled the wrong order of operation, dude. <laughs> That's the clip for the week. Let's get one of those. And uh, for the listeners that don't know what ED is, you know, you can just Google that. But yeah, it's not only just an older uh, individual. (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, I had to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get what I'm saying. No, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. Well, this is, no, and what I was just going to say my last thoughts on it as well, because I agree with everything you guys said. It's not simple. It's not like this is bad, this is good. I think in many cases, it's very helpful for someone. If it's going to help them accelerate something that they're going to be able to keep off long term and that makes them a healthier person, I think that's a positive thing. The only thing I'll say is I think especially in America and generally in the West, but especially in America, the way our medical system is designed veers very quickly to here's a medicine that's going to fix this thing where it's not a lot of the time you're not looking at the root causes. And I would say the same for depression and anxiety. I'd say the same for uh, you know, and all this health stuff, like th- there's a time where you need antidepressants, right? But I think it's over-prescribed by 10X. Like a lot of people haven't even like spent time talking to therapists, speaking to a friend, trying to figure out, oh, why they hate their lives. And then they all of a sudden think like a pill is going to just save them and it gets, it gives them a temporary high and they feel a bit better. And then they think they need, they basically have to take that forever, right? And same with this. It's like, you can get the scales to go down 10 pounds, quicker using this than not but when it comes back and now you're in the shit again and you're like man i feel so terrible about myself that i put this all back on again that is you're now in a worse place which again happens to 90 percent of people like that lose that amount of weight so i think it's just a matter of i think these these are tools and if they're studied correctly with real science which they obviously are doing right now but still quite early um with this use case because i think for diabetes that's what most of the testing was done on diabetes and this is now being used by way more people for another purpose i think there are some downsides that you need to kind of accept if you're ever going to take it 
Um, so yeah, I, I think it's more like looking at the root problems is really what's going to help in this situation. And I don't think society is set up to do that. We want the quick fix. We want the pill that's going to uh, make us feel good in that moment. And that's not what how it works long term. You're not going to be happy you know necessarily. You know what's to blame, Bilal? What is it, mate? Fiat currency. Yeah. <laughs> All comes back to fiat currency. All right, boys. I think that's a great way to finish off the episode because yeah. we do need to get this one out for you guys next week, which uh, if you're interested, we're going to be doing some good philosophical talk. I think you guys are going to enjoy this one next week as well. So make sure you're subscribed if you're here for the first time. Boys, anything else on that before we wrap it up? Well, let's just tell you that we're going to be talking about ideas that change our lives like next there week we on this show. Okay? Next week. Here's so, the preview. Uh, we'll make sure to put the uh, proper information at the bottom there. This is not medical <laughs> advice. But, Definitely uh, not. Well, I'll send all the links uh, the other podcast. Uh, below, you mentioned a couple of links. We should put one with Rhonda Patrick where she talks about it. Um, yeah. I just think it's worth like I think it's I think it's gonna be a big issue. I think it's gonna be a huge issue yeah, and uh, much more probably in the next following years. Let us know what if you're on it, comment down below. If you're thinking about it, let us know. We're we're interested to hear what people's takes are. I will say that Sam Barthred, there were lots of people saying I did this, I had these negative side effects and other people saying positive. That that's where I was reading about it on the pod. So um yeah, let's uh, get on to the next episode. But we appreciate you guys and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Oh, 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 oh,